Hello, hello everyone. Sorry if I am um, obnoxiously quiet. Uh, my girlfriend is on the phone right now and I'm in the room beside her and I really want to try to be quiet because I never am when I record these podcasts or ever. Um, but yeah, so I am, I just started today, which is very annoying because I've been on quarantine for nine days now and I could have started this fucking nine days ago and been so much further than I am now. But, um, I started writing a book. Um, I was going to do a blog and then as I started to write it, I really felt that it deserves like a much more, um, nuanced and a much more like explained, uh, like understanding of it. Um, so the basic premise of it, if I'm to hype it up, shall we say, it was inspired by, uh, many conversations that I have heard from Vijay Prashad, which, um, if you don't know who that is, uh, Vijay is a fantastic writer and historian, um, who is the director of the Tricontinental Institute of Research, um, and, uh, he appears on a lot of YouTube videos where he gives talks about things like the necessity for communism, uh, he talks very, very often about the exploitation of capitalism, um, and, uh, things of this nature, so he, uh, in a couple interviews, I've heard him cite uh, a UN resolution, which he loves and which I love myself now because of his pointing to it, which says um, uh, the process of liberation is irresistible. Um, and I really, I really found, uh, I found a lot of hope in that and I found a lot of joy in that. And so I kind of took the energy that I got from listening to some of his conversations on YouTube today, and I've been pumping that into trying to write this book. But um, because I have been on quarantine for nine days, and I have just been typing and typing and typing and typing, I have like carpal tunnel right now. So like my pinkies on both my hands are like numb and my right shoulder is throbbing because I have a bum right shoulder. Um, so. I decided I'm going to do a podcast and try to, like, hit on some of the points that are going to be in this book uh, briefly, um, which I am uh, dedicating to Vijay Prashad because this truly is uh, an inspiration from him, and therefore he deserves the credit for it as well. Um, I just merely took the time to write it out. He has done many conversations on it. Um, so, again, I of it all to him but um so in that UN resolution um the entire sentence is here let me pull it up my uh computer is whack as fuck here we are so the the UN resolution is called the declaration on the granting of independence to colonial countries and peoples um it's from 1961 so the sentence that that quote is pulled from in its t entirety says, uh, sorry about that, says, um, believing that the process of liberation is irresistible and irre irreversible and that in order to avoid serious crises, an end must be put to colonialism and all practices of segregation and discrimination associated therewith. Um, and that is honestly, uh, as Vijay has said himself, a genuinely incredible statement, especially uh, when it is being made by a governing body which has continued the uh, ever expansion of colonialism and imperialism to all corners of the earth. The UN has been complicit in and active in the the conquest of colonialism and of imperialism and the oppression that they caused. So it's, it's quite insane that in 1961, which uh, is a very important period when you talk about the uh, 
idea of colonialism or rather its antithesis uh, uh, decolonizing a place um, and liberating a place from colonialism and its influence this is uh, a very important time in history for that idea because as many people know this is when a lot of countries in Central and South America as well as places in Africa and Asia um, all really started adopting uh, very often Marxist-Leninist uh, ideology which led them to uh, revolutionary theory which led them to the fight for liberation and in most instances all that liberation really looks like if you are to truly you know take this abstract of liberation and really compact it into one like specific act it is the creation of self-determination which if we are Americans that's supposedly like a key characteristic of our liberal ideology and liberal governance this idea of self-determination of freedom of liberty but yet if you look at the interaction between liberation movements in places like you know Central and Latin America and their relation to the United States the United States government and the CIA you can clearly see that those ideals are only allowed to be upheld when it's the you know selected few who uh, capitalism and uh, America really deem as the uh, the ones who should be allowed to have that freedom so what I mean is pretty simple and uh, a great book if you want to really dive into the history of and the, the, the real depths of this, you know, actions that the United States government and the CIA took, uh, look no further than yet another Vijay Prashad work, um, Washington Bullets. Uh, I'm in the process of reading it right now. It's fantastic so far. Um, if you read that, he covers quite eloquently and in great detail um, the vast history of U.S. involvement uh, against communist and against uh, um, liberation movements throughout all of uh, the world, really. Um, one of the ones that is near and dear to my heart, and you know this if you <coughs> have listened to my podcast before, um, is Bolivia, which is also a, an event that Vijay Prashad in multiple conversations that I've heard uh, talks extensively about. Um, he, uh, he, as well as myself, noticed uh, what happened in Bolivia and, and realized it for what it was, and that was a coup d'etat. Um, the military of Bolivia was influenced in one way or another by the U.S. and other uh, world powers uh, um, who had interest in the natural resources of Bolivia, um, as they so often do, um, and didn't want a continued presidency of Evo Morales. Um, if you know anything about Bolivia, if you know anything about Evo Morales, you should know that one of his, his main uh, processes that he was uh, uh, convicted, um, how should I say this, uh, passionate about is uh, resource-based socialism. So he was very much of the belief that the <coughs> national nationalization of certain industries, such as the tin mining, such as the lithium mining, um, should be uh, nationalized and thereby the profits being made should go to benefit Bolivia and the people of Bolivia not to private companies which very often you know input nothing back into the very communities that they are profiting off of um, this obviously is a huge challenge to the world market as well as the world powers who are um, in control of the world market such as the United States um, and so it was obviously 
not something that they were willing to accept. The same way that in uh, and during the existence of the USSR, everything that the USSR did was bad. The same way that now today, every time socialism is mentioned, it is also mentioned with a uh, a negative connotation always. Um, so when this happened in the Bolivia, uh, what actually happened was Evo Morales won democratically, which they have proved in multiple different studies uh, that there was no fraud committed. Uh, he won his fourth consecutive term as president. Um, at that point, he had served for 14 years, and so the United States and the OAS, uh, the Office of or the Organization of American States, uh, which uh, has given itself power and entity over democratic elections across the world uh, in order to have some ultimate ruling power and uh, juryship over them, which no one has granted them or accepted, including, uh, but not limited to, Bolivia. Um, they, they deemed that the election was fraud and they called Evo Morales and subsequently his MAS party uh, a authoritarian dictatorship because, you know, again, he had been elected for his fourth term. They were claiming that Evo Morales had manipulated the constitution uh, uh, non-democratically earlier in the year when it was changed that there were to be uh, four terms allowed for a president. Um, uh, they used that as evidence to say that Evo Morales and the MAS party were in fact an authoritarian dictatorship, um, which uh, holds, no, holds no ground. Um, and they claimed that because of this, the people of Bolivia had, you know, no interest in Evo being president again. They claimed that the people who were protesting this time in November, it was the, the majority of Bolivians who, was, who were out in the streets protesting against Evo Morales, when in fact it was the minority in Bolivia, um, which were the wealthy elites of Bolivia who were going to see their land seized, their inheritance seized, their uh, shares in uh, now nationalized public industries taken away. Um, these are the same folks who uh, in the 60s came to Cuba, or came from Cuba to the United States, and the same ones who you hear talk about how awful Fidel Castro and Che Guevara were, which in their own right, they might not have done uh, necessarily perfect things, as no one can be uh, held to that standard. Um, but, you know, to claim that Fidel Castro and Che Guevara were mass murderers and uh, dictators is really a, a huge uh, perversion of the history that is readily available for anyone to read and learn. Um, and that's kind of the context that I'm writing my book in, uh, which is the fact that we have not for nothing. We have all the history in front of us. It's it's 2020. I'm recording this um, on a laptop, which I'm going to use to post on the internet. Uh, it's going to send my podcast out into a bunch of different streaming platforms where people can listen to and interact with it. They can save it. They can share it. They can download it. They can do you know a million different things with it. And that that is a uh, uh, you know, advancement of communication, which has never been seen before. But at the same time, even with all this technology, even with all this, you know, readily available information, we still to this day, um, subject ourselves to huge, um, misconstrued lies, uh, that call themselves the history of things. And, this is for uh, you know a multitude of reasons, which I cover more in depth in the book. But one of the main uh, causes of this uh, is uh, it's twofold. So, firstly, it's important to recognize, as a lot of people say, that history is always written by the victor. You know, even though we have such readily available information, a lot of it is filled with uh, inconsistencies, with lies, with uh, obvious cover-ups 
and things of this nature, which if you take fucking two seconds of your time to, you know, go further than the first fucking page of Google, you can probably discover for yourself. Um, and yet nobody goes to the second page of Google. Who goes to the second page of Google? No one. So this is such a insane phenomenon. It really, truly is that, you know, this, this, this acceptance of not the truth, but the widely accepted false, you know, falsehood, falsehood that is claiming truth. Um, another great book to read, uh, if you haven't already, I've mentioned it before, is, uh, How Propaganda Works by Jason Stanley. Um, I am only a quarter of the way through and so much information is new and just so well spoken and explained. Um, I'm someone who, as I've mentioned before, I, I don't go to school for this shit. I just have an interest in it and I kind of try to teach myself it. Uh, a lot of my friends have taught me things. Uh, shout out to all of them. But, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's from, I have to completely rewire my brain. I was raised a hyper-conservative uh, Republican Protestant boy in a small city in central New York. Um, I'm white, if you can't tell already, so most of my life has been pretty great, honestly. Um, but, like, that creates a... I don't want to call it a lie, because I don't think that it's necessarily a lie in the way that it's always blatant, and people are adhering to a, an understood lie, as in they understand that it's a lie. I think that it, it breeds an alternate reality. I think when Trump called things alternate facts, I think that is obscure and absurd of a claim that is, there is truth to it, because more than anything, what propaganda does is create what people consider alternate facts. It doesn't really matter anymore. And I, I, I'll go more into depth about this in the book probably, but it doesn't really matter what is true anymore. And if you are into politics and you're not a, a, a conservative, or a far-right person, you probably know that this is true, that you can give as many sources as you can, you can show as much proof uh, as you can, you can explain everything out in a way that a toddler could understand it, and still these people will deny, deny, deny. They have one uh, narrative, they have one understanding of history, and they will take uh, absolutely no time whatsoever or energy to... Uh, reason with that understanding and compare it to I don't know fucking history books uh, and try to refute whether or not what they believe is actually factual so th this this phenomenon of alternate facts is a cancer first of all it has it has corrupted the minds of some of the smartest people that I know. Um, it, it really, truly has. Uh, and that is honestly one of the biggest disgraces that it has caused and, and tragedies is, you know, I, I know so many amazing people, so many amazing people who would vote for someone like Donald Trump, not just willingly, but patriotically with pride will vote for a guy like Donald Trump or honestly a guy like Joe Biden willingly and pridefully that's e equally as perverse and disgusting and, and depressing um, and so what we see is <clears throat> through years and years of what is called American exceptionalism uh, which is the belief basically that America itself is a unique conquest and a unique uh, country in its, you know, liberal ideals and everything, and therefore it's subject to a, a whole different, like, uh, existence, basically. Like, it, it holds supremacy over everything else. It's just, like, a highly ordained version of existence. 
um, if you want to look that up more again that's called American exceptionalism but that is essentially what has structured um, not only our education in this country um, which Donald Trump is trying to reel back into uh, by canceling things like the 1619 project from being taught in school uh, you can look into the RNC's agenda and you can see that American exceptionalism is actually one of the main goals in uh, their education plan so that's super cool um, not that they're going to be uh, the president supposedly I mean we'll see with that but um, you know the fact that they even put forth that like on their official agenda is uh, that that's fascism guys I, I, I fucking hate to tell you that that is like literally definition fascism literally <laughs> um quite honestly i can go here if you want me to and hit a nice fascism definition i'm sad to see how many search results this has had um god damn it uh, but fascism is a form of far-right authoritarianism, authoritarian ultranationalism characterized by dictatorial power, forcible suppression of opposition, and strong regimentation of society and of the economy, which came to present pr prominence in the 20th century Europe. Um, basically, uh, all those key points are hit in the existence that we see uh, in modern America, you know, far-right authoritarian ultranationalism. Uh, Second Choice did a great video on uh, the patriotism to fascism uh, pipeline, which uh, is on YouTube. You can check that out, uh, where he talks about how uh, this ultranationalism has come to pass in the United States, which is uh, faltering on fascism and Quite honestly, I'm not saying that Donald Trump is the worst president ever. We know that he's not. He's honestly quite incompetent. Um, still a fucking awful person. But um, they found what, what fascism requires in a lot of cases is some form of a cult-like leader. And they found that perfect guy in um, Donald Trump. And now I'm not saying that, you know, the, the, and the powers that be conspired behind you know, back doors to get Donald Trump to be president. Most of the RNC hates the guy. Um, but he served his purpose and he got them what they wanted and not for nothing, but history creates change itself. Um, Marx is a great person who explains that, that I'm finding recently. Um, history makes changes and ideas and people follow uh, far behind it. So it wasn't necessarily some, uh, you know, backdoor conspiring that led to the presidency of Donald Trump what it mostly was was history pushed and influenced the tide in the direction that allowed for someone like Donald Trump to be a feasible uh, option for a president for a pretty good-sized uh, group of I don't think it was a majority in 2016 right Hillary Clinton won the popular I think that right yeah uh, okay sorry I'm very high I'm just making sure um, but, uh, a, a pretty vast amount of people, both in 2016 and in t 2020 this year, I can't believe the overwhelming amount of people who voted for Donald Trump this year. That's, it's insane. And it, and it's not for nothing, but it's very depressing. It's, it's very depressing how far we have felt as a people, how far into hate and separation and uh, so-called individuality, which is just selfishness and greed masquerading itself. Um, this is not a country that anyone should or could be proud of in their right mind, but so many people in this country are not in their right mind, and that is a direct causation of propaganda, which the United States does massive amounts of. Um, I love, I, so TikTok is the best place in the world. I, I don't care what anyone says. I know I'm technically old for TikTok, which is, oh God, don't even want to talk about that. But um, it, it, it's got some fucking funny people on there. And a lot of them do these videos where they talk about like, uh, oh, Americans are always like, I'm, I'm so happy that 
Uh, we don't have a country which forces patriotism and propaganda down our throats and then they like jump through like ncis top gun fucking csi miami fucking <laughs> law and order and all these different super 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 propagandized and politicized just garbage tv that we consume in this country um and not for nothing but our news too on both sides is completely scripted in a way that again anyone in their right mind would recognize um i've done a video a while back where i talked about the importance of fox news in this process of uh patriotism to fascism um in america and how the practices of fox news like rupert murdoch buying into uh airtime uh, which was completely unheard of at the time. Uh, if you don't know, the way that it worked is you kind of had your own news show, and then eventually if a, a, a news source that aired live on TV uh, took an interest in your show, they would buy it out, and then you would, you know, put that on TV. Uh, what Rupert Murdoch did, uh, because he was a super millionaire from Australia when uh, Fox News came into his ownership and his his creation um and they instead paid the news companies to allow them to air their show so it really went unchecked um you know to some extent at that time i it's 1996 when fox news comes onto the air um but i i think at that time there was a little bit more uh adherence to quote-unquote truth maybe at least more than like one American news network, I would hope. Um, but yeah, so like this, this was completely unheard of, and it and it shows yet again the exploitative nature of capitalism. Roger Ailes, the uh, the head propagandist, which uh, partnered with Rupert Murdoch in the creation of Fox News. Uh, Roger Ailes, also, if you don't know this. Uh, I did an episode on this as well. Uh, he wrote uh, with Richard Nixon a document which is called A Plan for Putting the GOP on Television News, where they talk about ultimately the ever-growing laziness of Americans who are starting to prefer television news over the newspaper, both for entertainment purposes, but also because they are starting to trust the television news more than the newspaper. Um, at that time it was more independent it was smaller so you could you could trust the news in in some way more than say the new york times which if you don't know this is currently owned by jeff bezos um so i oh geez if i was wrong about that i'm gonna be upset but i'm pretty sure it's jeff bezos i'm pretty sure um but yeah, so Rupert Murdoch, Roger Ailes, they create Fox News, and this is honestly a huge step in America's process and progress towards this, uh, what is called ultra-nationalistic uh, viewpoint of the world, which has uh, only furthered the existence of American exceptionalism. Um, and then, of course, if, if you're, you know, if you're like myself and many others who find the importance of history in today's day and age uh, ignored beyond uh, our wildest nightmares, um, if, if you can look at history and see its influence on the present, then you know that also another big step toward this ultranationalism was the uh, attacks of 9-11, um, planes crashing in the Twin Towers. I. I would expect that everybody knows what that is, but who knows? You know, I don't want to assume too much. Um, I'm not going to talk about the details of it because I don't know if I want to expose myself. Uh, I, I don't think it obvious, obviously, obviously there were, uh, there was some conspiring. That's all I'll say. Um, but <laughs> like this event, gave Fox News 
really all the permission in the world, which they really didn't even need. They were doing it already, but more people started accepting it as the truth. They just fucking doubled down on their racism, their sexism, their homophobia, and their alternate fact, fact version of history and of the present time. Um, if you... If you're someone who at this point is like, dude, that's bullshit. Like, you're just crazy. You're thinking that all these people are conspiring against the working class people that are conspiring against, you know, the general public in America. You're insane. Like, the government exists to help you. They're doing their best to help you. You're all just stupid. Let's take literally, literally the easiest example of the the discrepancies between reality and idealism in this country let's talk about the military so obviously anybody with their right mind knows that this this narrative that the the u.s military exists to quote unquote protect our freedoms and spread democracy across the world is just a you know a, it's a ha it's a sack of shit obviously obviously um we have something like 814 military bases in 103 different countries across the world um, which we spend billions and billions of dollars on every single year that could be feeding all the people in those areas which we are actively killing not only just with our military but with our uh, capitalist practices um, and, and we're told this is for our benefit and also the benefit of the people in those countries. But if you look at the reality, if you look at literally all you have to do, and this was said brilliantly by, again, Vijay Prashad, if you are to compare, he's talking about Cuba when he says it, if, saying you compare before and after the revolution, you can see that socialism uh, helped and that the revolution helped people. But if you look at um, countries before and after U.S. Uh, uh, colonialism or imperialism, you can clearly see a worsening uh, of of existence for the general public. Now, of course, as capitalism does, you see a huge advancement in a very minute, minuscule uh, minority group of the people in these places, which is there and used as an explanation and a, an example of how capitalism succeeds. But um, as is pointed out so eloquently in the Communist Manifesto, um, paraphrasing here, but uh, capitalism creates a slave system which cannot feed its own slaves. Um, that's just a plain progression of capitalism, and there's nothing that is corrupted or uh, crony about that uh, there's no deviation from the norm that causes that it is in fact the norm it is in fact the the fluid progression of capitalism that causes these discrepancies that causes these contradictions uh, shall we say um, that's a that's a huge point which I would love to dive more into uh, probably in the book again um, but I'm going to have to do some reading. I'll probably read Mao and Lenin. Uh, but contradictions, that's a very important word uh, when you're talking about uh, leftist theory because uh, what a lot of different uh, thinkers on the left did is point out the very contradictions within capitalism itself. So what that means is that they pointed to the very structure of capitalism they they explained people like Marx people like Engels um, they explained out how the, the, the mode of production and exchange capitalism how it operated what it did you know they just studied material conditions and and made record of what uh, influenced the the influx of capitalism and modern industry had on the general public um, again, as I, I've said to my family before, uh, it, it wasn't like Marx woke up one day and he was like, fuck capitalism, I'm going to write this book about how much I hate capitalism. Um, as much as he, I would assume, was not a huge fan of capitalism, all he 
did was he, in capital, there's four volumes, apparently. I'm not fucking reading that shit. But in capital, he just, you know, in, in, in as much precise and just honestly disgusting amount of detail that anyone could imagine explains all of the problems with the very system of capitalism itself not because you know he was an outsider who was saying these are all the reasons why i hate capitalism no he was literally analyzing capitalism from within itself and saying and pointing to these are all the ways and the reasons and what they cause for why capitalism should not be the the mode of production the way things are done um in my book another thing that i talk about is this deviation from the status quo which any form of leftist thought creates because if you are to look at the world as a whole we have these massive world markets um, which see just disgusting amounts of money being passed between rich elite people and other rich elite people and rich elite states and other rich elite states um just sharing the wealth with one another really reaching across the aisle there um if you're to analyze this this idea of the world if you're to look at it in in such a way one thing that you can clearly see beyond any form of reasonable doubt is the amount of exploitation and oppression that that very world market and you know the practices that come about with it uh what what effects they have on usually um well what effects they have on both sides of the spectrum but what good effects they have on you know one side of the globe shall we say the global north and what negative effects it has on the southern hemisphere shall we say the global south this is not a hard um, understanding of things to come to. Um, I'm not a very smart person. Um, I, I'm able to remember things. That's what makes me quote unquote smart. Uh, but only if I care about them. Let's talk about that. Um, but I, I'm not an incredibly smart person. I did not come to these realizations on my own. I was led here, um, which is why I have this podcast because I hope to do the same for others. Um, and also because I'm greedy little bitch boy who loves attention but um yeah so like i'm not a crazy intelligent person but i can understand these things and that's what's so great about uh leftist thought really is it 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 has the truth on its side um it it there is some albeit very very uh unaffecting uh, depths of hope that come with the knowledge that like I and many others like me see the world for what it is or at least see the world for more of what it is than what most of the world sees it as um, but <laughs> as has become uh, quite foundational in my life uh, it this knowledge alienates you um, as again I'm going to keep saying his name. Vijay Prashad points out in another conversation. Um, I believe it is on guerrilla history. He says that uh, one process of which uh, the, the powers that be have truly succeeded is this uh, uh, equating of all conspiratorial thought as uh, uh, the same. So, like, when you have people who are like QAnoners, uh, they are equated to leftists in in the understanding of the general public as these people being like, quote unquote, crazy. You know, when you try to have conversations with people that say like, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats that are conspiring together against the general working class to uphold power structures and, and massive amounts of 
uh, hordes of money which they are keeping in the hands of one another and just passing between one another and benefiting one another while the rest of us starve to death. Um, and then if next to you some other guy is, is screaming, uh, actually Donald Trump is the one sole warrior uh, against uh, child sex trafficking and is actually uh, an imposter. He's just playing the part so that he can go in and uh, uh, destroy the cabal of uh, uh, sex pedophiles and lizard people. The the people who you're screaming that shit at are gonna go, wow, these two people are fucking insane. Um, and and that's kind of how uh, the general media and the general public perceive leftist thought because more than anything, more than anything, whether it's conspiratorial, crazy, wrong, right, whatever you want to call it, more than anything leftist thought is a deviation from the norm and in all manner that is is uh respected as being wrong um when i was in trying to think here i was trying to be a a a, a woke bitch um when i was in i think my sophomore year of college at MB, I think I pointed out to one of my history teachers, like, um, actually Martin Luther King was uh, a supporter of militant action and was actually uh, a huge uh, resistance movement person, um, and uh, a lot of his ideas were quite more revolutionary than simple uh, nonviolent uh, demonstrations. And I remember that, first of all, I had no other information to back that up because she was like, really? Like what? And I was like, uh, I'm going to take my flat brim off. Wait, no, I didn't wear flat brims then anymore. I'm going to take my skateboard brand beanie off that uh, smells like fucking Hollister cologne. Um, because as I still sometimes... Fear. I, I'm uh, leaning into sometimes white saviorism. I used to do that all that all the time. That's really what liberalism is: is just white saviorism. Even if you're not white, you're just participating in that. Um, that sorry. I mean, <laughs> I'm not wrong. You can be mad, but um, so like, I don't know where I was going with that whole conversation, but. What I want to say is that, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all leftist thought is just deviation from the norm, which is considered the same as any deviation from the norm, which is not what the fuck you do. Um, and so it, it's it's quite concerning and also mind-blowing if you are to, say, take something like the Iraq War or maybe better Let's say Venezuela. What happened in Venezuela? Venezuela is one of the most, uh, you know, commonly sourced, quote unquote, refutals of uh, socialism being uh, successful. Okay, surely socialism uh, did not necessarily create perfect situations for Venezuelan people, but the first of all. The blockades, which were made by capitalist entities, which saw, you know, massive amounts of um, appropriation of resources from the Venezuelan people, that is before and during uh, their fight for liberation and leftist, you know, leadership, um, that is combined with the, you know, material conditions that existed there. They were a pretty poor country because they were actively exploited uh for 400 fucking years as was all of the global south and a lot of other parts of the world um and so not for nothing uh, as i've talked about in a blog piece before venezuelans only uh export i believe at the time was oil and their main uh buyer of that oil was the united states and other like opec powers so obviously when the united states found out of uh leftist uh leadership becoming more and more uh supported in venezuela 
Uh, they went to the Venezuelan leader, and his name is escaping me, but Vijay Prashad, of course, talks about this in his book, Washington Bullets. Um, they, they oust him, basically. The United Fruit Company... No, that's Nicaragua. Yeah, it's Nicaragua. But in Venezuela, um, the uh, U.S. military uh, essentially... Um, it creates a situation wherein left leadership is uh, forced out. They're ousted the same way as uh, Evo Morales was forced out in uh, 2019. Uh, Allende was placed in power in uh, uh, Venezuela the same way that Janine Añez was placed into power in 2019 in Bolivia. And this has happened in multiple different countries all throughout, again, the global south and the rest of the world. Um, but this is... This is only due to the process of globalization, which is an expansion and a progression of capitalism itself. Another thing that I talk about in my book, which I'm, I'm honestly really taking jumps and leaps here. I only have such minimal understanding of some of these concepts, but I, I really have such a passion to pump out this book. Maybe I won't even publish it. Maybe I'll just post it as an essay somewhere. But... I really have a passion to write this, but another thing I talk about is uh, Lenin's discussion uh, in his book, you know, Imperialism, the Highest state Stage of Capitalism, um, and, and the, the truth that that title and that book hold, which is that imperialism through multiple different practices, whether it's active colonialism, which sees, you know, the actual conquering of lands and the subjugation to slave labor by the peoples, the natural resource extraction, the wage labor extraction, the, uh, the destruction of sovereign lands um, is one way that imperialism exists. But another way, as he uh, points out in this book, is uh, finance capital, which is, you know, exemplified in the existence of such entities as the International Monetary Fund or the IMF and the World Bank. Um, these organizations uh, give out huge loans to uh, industrializing and developing nations, which are awfully predatory loans. They're usually massive sums of money which none of these countries could in any reality be expected to pay back um and they're given with m huge interest percent percentages if you thought your interest rates on your loans for your school or for cars or your mortgage was disgusting you should see the interest rates of some of these uh tr you know billion dollar loans that are given out by uh the imf and the the world bank but as Lenin points out, this is just yet another example of imperialism, which he calls the highest stage of capitalism. Um, now, many thinkers at Lenin's time, I believe including Lenin, uh, really thought that at the end of World War One, and then again at the end of World War Two, that there was going to be a people's revolution. Um, it was very much... Uh, a possibility here in the United States with uh, people such as Eugene V. Debs. Um, and, you know, this was, uh, this, this was a, as it is now, it was a deviation from the status quo, the, the way things are. And so it was fought with all the energy and all the uh, resolve that the United States government and other capitalist parties had. Um, eventually, this uh, counter-revolution that existed uh, and, and uh, was portrayed in the existence of the United States government, this, this counter-revolutionary uh, thing that existed eventually led to the creation of such uh, government offices, such as the Central Intelligence Agency, also known as the CIA. The main subject of Washington Bullets by Vijay Prashad is going through and analyzing the many different times wherein the U.S. government, uh, through many different ways, including but not limited to uh, the CIA uh, um, practices in South America and other places in the world throughout the 
40s until even today um, in Bolivia. And so that is a it's a very important realization to come to that um, that understanding of history and also that that history which leads us to the understanding that this still happens today and is quite honestly a, a very strong uh, uh, and cemented practice um, quite honestly the fact that Bolivia you know worked out the way that it did is very very amazing because there was little <laughs> that was on their side to really give them that win other than genuinely just the will of the people I mean that that has power beyond measure but um, a harnessing of that will is crucial and that is something that I want to talk about in my book which does not exist in the United States but very much needs to exist uh, considering the way that we are devolving um, I mean I don't really have a whole lot of information about it but I'm sure that you guys are well aware of the situation going on with Trump he's apparently going to blockade himself in the fucking White House and just be like no I'm still president see I'm still pressing each buttons um, I don't know what's going to happen with that but quite honestly that is and I don't want to say this with too much weight as to give myself more hope than I should have, but that is a possible revolutionary and radicalizing moment. I mean, this country that most people are proud of because of the freedom and liberty and, quite honestly, the peaceful passing of power that exists in this country and supposedly has existed since 1776 and before that in the colonies is so central to the very nature of our ultranationalism in this country the the only thing that we have pride in is those things these you know supposed truths um that will be actively challenged by trump saying no i'm just gonna keep being president and so if that happens i would be honestly interested to see how the majority of people are going to react because i mean we all saw when Biden was announced the president-elect, all the liberals just kind of take their signs and just fold them up and push them nicely into the uh, uh, the nonprofit organization's uh, donation bin um, and just be like, okay, cool, everything's back to normal now. We can finally uh, be racist in private again. Um, and it it's a terrifying thing to think that that might be the same thing that we'll get from something like this, that it'll be popular on social media for a month, and then we're not going to talk about it anymore. anymore. Trump's just going to be the president. And Biden's going to fucking die soon. I mean, he's literally 117 years old. That is a fact. Don't Google it. That's just how old he is. And Kamala Harris is just a, a fucking turd, just straight up a turd. Um, there's not really much opposition to Trump just deciding that he's going to be president still most of the democrats honestly would probably be like all right cool um yeah i guess i guess that's that's recess then i guess we're just going to go on another three month fucking vacation uh and still make thirty six hundred dollars a week um but i mean again i think more than anything we have seen a complete de-evolution of go governance in this country to simply a theatrical realm of politics to simply just popularity contests um there was millions of views on a video of aoc playing among us with hassan abi which i'm not even like throwing shade at hassan or anything like that like that's pretty dope i would like to meet aoc she seems like a cool person seems like we would get along somewhat um and that got like i don't know some millions of views and yet when you think about how few people paid attention to i don't know anything outside of the month before the election that had to do with the election 
probably wasn't nearly as many as watched that fucking video of Hassan and AOC. And I know that those might be two, you know, very distantly and not connected things, but the point still stands that people pay attention to politics only and, you know, exclusively when they're interesting, when they're entertaining. Our election is a two-year process that's not very entertaining. Uh, politics in this country makes no fucking sense, and therefore it's not very entertaining. You gotta do a lot of learning. Um, really, anything to do with any abstraction of the day-to-day -day life, you know, takes learning, and most people therein just don't participate in it, um, which is not their fault, and I'm not throwing shade, um, but it's, it is the truth. And so to, to really wrap things up here, one of the main points that Jason Stanley uh, has made to the, to the very point that I have read in his book, How Propaganda Works, is the uh, influence of what he calls undermining propaganda uh, and how it has created, uh, I believe it's called demagoguery, uh, and really just a, a, a perversion of the truth. And so what undermining propaganda is, uh, is simply put, it is uh, in addition to or a participation in discourse which claims to be or uphold a certain ideal such as freedom or liberty while actively working to erode that very ideal. So again, another great example is the military. Supposedly it exists to spread freedom while it act actively just oppresses. Um, so this is a huge, huge uh, point that Jason Stanley makes, which I find uh, ever rele ever relevant in our current moment, where so many people have genuinely no fucking clue what's going on. And again, I would like to point out, this is not anyone's fault, so, and this is something I need to work on, but I would like to imp imp implore you that if you are a member of the left who is trying to, you know, convince your uh, fellow people of these truths, um, we should remember that a lot of these beliefs that these people hold are not their fault. Um, they believe them because they are reflecting on uh, and being influenced by their environment. And therefore, they can't be held to some moral standard that you uphold because just like them, you are a reflection of your environment. So when we have conversations with these people, um, it's very important that uh, to some extent, uh, try to radicalize across class lines. Try to have conversations with people who have experienced similar things to you. Um, it would be very difficult for someone like me to go into, like, you know, downtown uh, Chicago uh, in the projects and shit like that and try to tell people about struggle. Um, quite honestly, that would be, like, the worst thing that anyone could do, and hundreds of people try to do it all the time. Um but like I can have conversations with other white people who are pretty privileged and really only became interested in like liberalism a couple years ago because it made them feel better about themselves like I can talk to those people and I can meet them where they where they lie and so we have to remember uh, as people on the left that uh, a lot of the working class a lot of the people that we are you know, supposed to be comrades with and supposed to work with, a lot of them are going to have some, quite honestly, some pretty awful ideals. Some of them are going to be racist, they're going to be sexist, they're going to be transphobic, they're going to be homophobic. But more than anything, they're going to be fellow working class people who, without us, uh, it seems, will have uh, no real possibility at ever finding true liberation for themselves. Like, Obviously, if you're at a, a meeting and someone starts spewing off hate, you can take them aside and be like, yo, that's not cool. Like, this is why that's not cool and explain it to them. But you can't just find that someone is racist and just go, fuck this person. They're a piece of shit. Let's not even, like, talk to them or anything. Fucking block them on everything. Because, just like I said, just as you are simply a reflection of your environment, they are a reflection of theirs. So, keep that in mind. Um... So that's kind of everything I'm going to talk about in my book. I wanted to kind of talk that out because 
my fucking hands really hurt and so does my shoulder from typing so i just kind of wanted to post this and get all my thoughts out before uh my brain takes over and decides that it's not going to be uh satisfactory enough to continue this project so now i kind of have to um i hope to have it finished written by the end of the month i'm probably going to keep it near or under 100 pages uh again i don't have the most in-depth knowledge of these things so i'm only working with a, a pretty low grade version of understanding but i hope to be able to convey some of these truths and some of these you know obvious discrepancies between uh the material reality of things and the realm of ideas that we so commonly allow our uh, uh idea of the world to be influenced by uh in in a way where like-minded people who have experienced things such as i have can understand it and again i'm radicalizing across class lines so that's that's all i got uh, if you're still listening to this thank you i appreciate you uh if you don't already please uh read my blog uh annoying question boy spelled just like that no caps no spaces dot b l o g s p o t dot com uh you can also find me on social media you can find me at facebook instagram twitter and tiktok just by searching annoying question boy uh wherever you're listening to this just know that there's a bunch of other places you can listen to this uh, i'm on like splitter i think it's called uh apple podcast spotify anchor soundcloud a bunch of places uh so if one of those is better suited for your preference you can probably find me on there uh thanks for listening i love you all hope everybody's doing all right uh and yeah uh fuck america bye guys